Mothering Sunday. The tradition, the church tradition of Mothering Sunday can be traced back to the early years of the 16th century. It was a time which, which grew into people being encouraged to return to their mother church, to the church in which they'd been baptised. If you were worshipping at a parish church, then you would be encouraged maybe to go to, to the diocesan mother church, the cathedral, and there celebrate there, remembering all the things of the love of God. Girls in domestic service would often be given some time off in order to go in and visit their mothers. And the focus became on this fourth Sunday in Lent on remembering the love of God, the grace of God, his desire to, to be in relationship with us, to express his love to us, giving thanks to him for that. But a mothering role, we know, requires, yeah, love, certainly, but also a lot of sacrifice, personal sacrifice. And the mothering role can extend beyond a biological mother, can't it? You think of all the folks who've been in your lives, certainly in mine, who weren't my biological mum, but oh my goodness, I'd bless the Lord for the mothering role that they had in my life. And still have, actually, some of them, which is wonderful. But Mary gets warned of the sacrifice that's going to be involved in mothering the Son of God. Hannah, who's been given this great gift of a, of a son, after decades of praying, now hands him over as a gift from God to her, now a gift from her to God. That personal sacrifice... And in the words of the psalm, David reminds us of the love of God, of his love for you and for me, the way he wants to be present in our lives. You know, Psalm 23, we've sung it already this morning. It's one of those psalms that is often a a fall-back-to psalm, isn't it? It's familiar. If we, if we sometimes want to look up something quick in the scriptures, it might be, oh, we'll go to Psalm 23. But it's full of so much in there. We all, you know, we all have moments in our lives, don't we, where we can feel overwhelmed and at times in need of, of direction or protection. And King David certainly did across his lifetime. He certainly needed those things. But the great thing about Psalm 23 is the way that he reminds us and he reminds himself actually of where he can go to for that help. Of where his help is going to come from. Now, there's so much in this psalm. I can only, I can only deal with it in broad brushstrokes this morning. But as I hope he drops something out for you just to think on that you might then later today or, or this week go back to it please Look it up, ponder over it, and about what the Lord is actually saying to you through these words. The key thing, first of all, is how David is speaking from such a clear, personal relationship with God. 
He's not talking about somebody else's God. He's talking about the Lord, his Lord. He has this deep personal relationship with him. And that's coming, flowing out. God as shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He knows him personally. He knows him deeply. In scripture, God is often referred to with that description of shepherd. And Jesus in John's gospel chapter 10 says, I am the good shepherd, following that theme through. But the shepherd caring for his sheep, he starts with this declaration of relationship. He is living his life under the care of God. He's made the Lord his shepherd. And when we come to Jesus Christ in faith and accept him as our personal saviour, the Lord becomes our shepherd. We step into that relationship with him and he desires that to be so. At the Christianity Explored course this last week, we were looking at the subject of grace. And God's grace gives us free will to make our own decisions. But his desire is that we would make a decision to accept his will. And to follow him, to have him as shepherd. So the Lord is my shepherd. And then he goes on, I shall not want. What does that mean? It tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that suddenly the one-armed bandit in heaven throws up three cherries, you know, and suddenly everything that we wanted in a physical kind of sense suddenly comes tumbling at our feet. It doesn't mean that, though that does not take away the fact that the Lord will provide, and sometimes in extraordinary ways for us. When we ask, John always says, you, you have not because you ask not. So never give up asking the Lord for things in prayer, in faith. But what does it mean? And I shall not be in want. What it means is that when we know the Lord and the Lord is our shepherd, no matter what comes across our path, we can still feel content and secure in him. You know, the world wakes so hard, doesn't it, at making us un- discontent with stuff. If you turn on the telly and you've got the spirit for it, very quickly you will start to feel discontent with your situation if you allow it to be. Because you say, ah, you need this and you need that. Look at me, aren't I fabulous? Go over here. Otherwise your life's not complete. No. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We can be content in the Lord. Because all that we truly need is provided through him. And then he goes on. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. Now, having spent six and a half years in Upper Wensleydale, there's a lot of sheep, isn't there? There's a lot of sheep. And there's a lot of people who know a lot more about sheep than I do. I'm looking at half a dozen in the room right now. All right. Sheep like to follow. She'd like to follow. But you know what I have come to learn is that this misunderstanding that sheep are a bit dumb, actually they're not. They're really quite smart. 
but they do like to follow. And in that sense, they're like, they've got this social being. They don't like being out on their own. Yes, there'll always be one that wanders off because he thinks that bit of grass over there looks nice. And before they know it, they've wandered away from everybody else. But generally, they like to be together. You just watch them when they're trying to sell them off in the auction mart. One gets left on its own at the outside. Whoa! And they'll jump and try and work their way into the middle. They like to be together. And in that sense, we're very similar. We are made to be naturally social creatures. We like to follow things as humans. And we can follow all kinds of stuff, can't we? We can follow football teams. We can follow music groups. We can follow moral codes. We can follow personal ambition or finance or social trends or so-called influencers on social media. media. Folks, the only influencer we should be looking to is the Lord himself. <laughs> There's our influencer. But we're called to follow the Lord. If he's our shepherd, to follow him. I, I come across so many times and occasions of parents in relationship to bringing up their children in the faith. They'll have taken baptismal promises. And then I'm talking with them later and encouraging them to come to some of the other things that we've got on offer. And they will then turn around and they'll say, oh, well, we, you know, we're, we're not going to brainwash them with it. You know, we, we'll, we'll, we'll let them decide for themselves. We're, we're, we want them to make their own decisions. And they say that in good faith, thinking they're doing the kids a favour. And they're not. They're really not. And I wonder, and I challenge them sometimes with, I wonder what other area in life do you adopt that same philosophy? Do you, for example, put your kids on the edge of the M62 and say, hey, I tell you what, I'll just leave you to discover how best to cross it. No. Because if something's important, we teach them about it, don't we? And we lead them into that. To follow the Lord. It's not about, or even if it is about brainwashing. I tell you what, my brain needed washing before I knew the Lord. <laughs> it really did. And now, I get it washed with good stuff, wholesome stuff, clean stuff. If we're not careful and we just allow the world to start washing our children or even our minds, they get into a mess. And I tell you what, the water that the world uses can be really quite grubby. <laughs> it's good to tell our children and our grandchildren about the goodness of the Lord that they might learn how to follow him. So choosing the right shepherd in our lives is crucial to our well-being and the well-being of those that we love. It says, train up a child, isn't it, in Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way they shall go, and they will not depart from it. They will remember things later. When I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. That means that when we face times of challenge, when we face times of difficulty, which we will, this side of glory, we will, Jesus said, doesn't it, on this earth you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we will have challenges. 
And he's saying that when you walk through those difficulties and situations, you need not be alone. With me as your shepherd, you will not be alone. My rod and my staff will comfort you. They will protect you. They will look after you. So whatever situations we're facing, and I know many of you right now are facing considerable challenges, whether it be to do with, with work or finance or relationship or grief or, or whatever it might be, the Lord is saying, with me as your shepherd, I will walk beside you. You need not be alone. Though things might be hard. Jeremiah 29 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they're good plans. They're plans to prosper you. They're not plans to harm you. But let me be your shepherd. Let me in. You prepare a table for me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We like that bit, don't we? We like the idea of a feasting table and a cup that's always overflowing. And I tell you what, when we arrived here in Wednesday there, we began to see that in completely new ways, right? Wow, does Wednesday know how to do hospitality. Yeah, but it's this vision, this picture that the Lord has for us in our lives that, and again, Jesus is saying, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Let me be a shepherd. Experience that. Sometimes we can feel like we're surrounded by stuff, can't we? And there's no way out. But the Lord has prepared something new and good for us. There's a song that we play often in our home by, by Michael Smith, worship leader. And it's this, he says, It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like we're surrounded, but when the Lord is our shepherd, we're surrounded by the Lord himself. There's our help. There's our help. And then surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That word follow, in Aramaic, it's, it's so much stronger than like a meek little trotting after. The word follow in its original meaning means to pursue. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Doesn't that give it a completely different twist? That idea of God's love pursuing us. Because a pursuer is dedicated, aren't they? They're dedicated to it. They, they will not give up. When they're pursuing you. And you know, if I'm being pursued, usually, they can catch me quite quick because I fag out quite quickly. But if I'm being pursued, the way that somebody catches us up is usually when we slow down or stop. And that's when the pursuer catches up with us. So what is there in your life? What is there in my life where God is saying, for goodness sake, will you just slow up and let me catch you? Because I want to be your shepherd. So as I said, there are lots of things there to consider from that side. I'm going to put some music on now. And as I play it, I want us to consider again those verses from that psalm. 
and we might pray, you know, Lord, come Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to me? Would there be some word that might come out fresh to me this morning? Something, Spirit, that you've been challenging me with as you've been listening to my words there. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, can I lack nothing? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He shall refresh my soul and guide me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Lord, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup shall be full. And surely, goodness and loving mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Margaret now shall lead us into our intercessions this morning.